Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I like guns, I love being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 242. I'm one of your hosts tonight, Mike, and tonight with me I have Thomas. How are you tonight, Thomas? Good, Mike. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. And I also have Amanda. How are you, Amanda? Bonjour. I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, we also have Josh. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, Hey, Thomas, how do we get one of those nice East Hill outdoor hats? They sell them online. Oh, but you're going to say, I'll send you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I get them for free to wear, but sometimes yeah. sometimes we sometimes. give them away. Some you come in, sometimes you buy, you know, you, you buy, spend a lot of money. I'll buy three throwing hats and stuff. <laughs> so there you go. Just spend a lot of money, Josh. Yeah. Don't you, don't you yep. get a hat with the, like one of your turkey draws or something like that? Didn't you have something where you got a free hat when you bought the, the your entry you, ticket or something? Yeah. With the, like the, the, the turkey classic and sometimes the, um, the deer, we do usually do t-shirts. Sometimes there has been hats in the past. Well, there you go. You just have but to If you're a little kid and you walk in the store, sometimes the owner will give you a hat. So. <laughs> I mean, that's how my daughter got a shirt that was, I don't know, it must have been, it's probably a size six because she fits it now. Actually, she's almost outgrowing it, but she got it when she was like two or three, just walking around at SFRC, and they just thought she was the cutest thing ever. <laughs> and they had, a, they had a little Vortex shirt, and they're like, here, have it. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I asked uh, the owner's son, Luke. He he runs the archery department, and uh, the junior shooter that I shot last week, the father asked me if we had any stickers that we could give her. And I didn't know, so I said, hey, Luke, you got any stickers? And he reached over and gave me an East Hill hat and said, here, give this to her. So very happy little girl walked out that store. That's good. Very good. Uh, yeah. So what have you been up to lately, Thomas? I've been working. I'm um, getting the hours back. We started the rentals. Uh, it's... The last couple, like last week, I didn't really have any guns that I thought was suitable because they sold everything. There was just a CZ with the folding stock, and it's 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 a it's a make of a one of those sub machine gun pistols. But you can't really shoot it as a pistol because when you fold the stock over, it obscures the front sight, and it's not long enough to actually get a, a proper cheek weld and stuff. And then they gave me uh, a Chris Vector, it's restricted with a really snubby barrel. But it's got that really short folding stock, so you still can't get a proper shoulder weld with it or a cheek weld on it. So I got kind of mad. I brought my own guns. <laughs> so I can't, it's, I can't do this with newbies because if somebody's new, you don't want to put something like that in their hand. You want them to actually have sights that are really easy to see and where they can keep all their, all their shots on target. So I brought in my Smith & Wesson 22A, and I brought in my Dan Wesson. So they got to play with some really nice guns for a couple of days. And then the, I was speaking to the owner today. I said, and I said, look, I keep you got to get me some guns. I keep uh, I had to bring my own guns because I didn't have the gear. And he was quite surprised that I brought my own guns. And he said, well, thank you. And he gave me a brand new CZ Cadet, and I've got a brand new um, it's another CZ nine millimeter, and I've got my own little drawer in the restricted area. So I've got my guns specifically for strictly for the shoots right now. Depending on the laws, hopefully we'll get a couple more, but I've got my own dedicated guns that aren't going to be sold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because Because yeah, people are buying everything. Like, you know, do you have this? Do you have yeah. that? And, you know, it's <clears throat> even it's used. So we sold all the used stuff, which is great. Um, I think I was telling you, uh, 
which if I mentioned in the news feed or with uh, on the show last week, but when I went on, it was from the news feed on Messenger because I went in there that Friday and there was 20 Desert Eagles, all the black ones, some of the New York variants, the lightweight ones. There was 50 A&E, 44 Magnums, and some 357s. There was two left today and there was one left just as I left. We, I sold a 44 to a gentleman before we left. So everything's gone. We've got, we might get one more order and that's it because um, the retailers just don't want to get stuck with it. So do you, do you have anything that's been like already ordered and committed to that's coming in or? Like we, uh, we just had a big order. So I think there's one order coming in, but we just can't risk it. Um, a lot of places got burned when the liberals introduced uh, C-68. There's stores that have massive inventories of prohibs that they still can't sell. And the, unless you've got prohibited status, you can't buy one, right? So if, if he gets stuck, he's stuck. He's out of pocket. He can't sell them. He can't give them away. They're not offering buybacks from the retailers. And it could be uh, a lot of money. That, one of, that was actually the biggest concern uh, we had with Grand Power was we, a lot of people wanted the Strybog because it's a really nice little uh, carbine. I did. <laughs> yeah, but we could we the owner couldn't risk it because you know if it's a big order and he you know he could lose his house or something like that. Unfortunately, it ended up closing anyway. But that was the one reason that we didn't bring it in because we knew something was happening with the ARs. And well, the good thing is it wasn't in the country, so it's not on the list. So you could probably bring them in now. <laughs> I'll yep. see what else this week. Um, well, I mentioned that little junior, the young junior shooter. So um, what we what I'm going to do is to make them feel like they're part of the club. We're going to make them take the regular club level safety course, and it's a short course. It's about two hours with all the adults, so they can sit in there, be a part of it. But they're getting a totally different test. Their test is just going to be on the uh, how range works and the basic ten ten rules of handgun safety basically so this is the basic yeah. fundamental safeties but the fact that they're even in that room is going to mean probably quite a bit to them they're going to be all excited it's all stuff so um i thought that was fantastic so um matt and i are actually working on it because we're actually short staff right now so we're redesigning the club level safety course and hopefully we can get more members through and we're also increasing the amount of rentals now so they'll probably be back on the website and you can book online if you want to go shooting at East Hill. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, the only thing I wish is that people who book time slots and don't show up, don't do that. Because <laughs> I'm booked to come in at 1 o'clock, so I'm there for you. And you have four people and you don't show up. So I think what they're going to start doing is uh, making prepay, people prepay. Yeah, or at least a deposit of some kind. Well, on the um, when you book it online, you, you have to do the deposit that way. But a couple of them were taken over the phone. So, and then it was wasn't the phone number, so we had no way to contact them. So, unfortunately, cause yeah. it's, it's just a waste of time. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not like when I used to golf and I would book the tee time before and after mine, so I'd have nobody ahead of me or behind me. <laughs> so what you do that? That just the before and after just no shows. Yeah. Seriously? <laughs> you got the course basically to yourself. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I never even thought of that. <laughs> Devious. I, I guess I guess you I could because <laughs> when COVID happened, we had uh, we had online bookings for lanes. You had to reserve lanes for yourself. So I guess people could have done the same thing. Yeah. Jesus. 
That's well, hilarious. So is that pretty much wrapped it up for you, Thomas? Um, the only thing is, I every day I'm at the range, I have to at least once a day, I have to ask a member to open action of a closed gun on the bench. And I just, I, I just had it. <laughs> you were enough. saying that you were saying that last time, like you when want I, to have when more I did like the ceasefire. ceasefire half the people wrong. didn't have them open, <laughs> and then I worked Friday. Two people, I had to make them show them, show them clear. And today I had to have somebody show them clear. And you know, the excuses are are just mind-boggling. Like you've got, say, like um, one is con, for example. It's got a spring-loaded pump on it, so you can't. There's no locking mechanism on it. It slams forward all the time. Well, bring a chamber flag. Or if you've got an empty 12-gauge, stick it in there. Stick something in there so I can see that there's nothing in the chamber. But just say, oh, I can't open it because there's a, there's a spring on it. So it's, you know, if I catch you twice, you're going for retraining. <laughs> I should, well, I should like, have to tell you once. It's like that, like that club in Clinton that we've been going to. They have a chamber flag rule. Like that's, you don't just leave it open. You leave it open and a chamber flag. So, I mean, it's yep. just. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's, that's not that's a bad idea. That's probably how it gets there, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> probably exactly how it, it got there. Yeah. So, yeah, I posted actually something on the uh, on the club Facebook page today, and I was very polite about it. Just, you know, please. But you know, if I catch you twice, I'm going to suggest that you go for retraining. I'm going to have to go look now and see how polite it actually was. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't call anybody out, but I mentioned the ceasefire. And you tagged half, people, didn't you? Half of what, no, I didn't tag anybody. <laughs> No, I don't like I don't like calling. Like if I I'll just come up and say something to you and I'll say, look, you know, I'm just letting you know. And I'm not I'm not letting I'm not disciplining you. I'm not giving you heck. I just said, you know, could you please open it? And I said, when an RO comes by or any member, they have to see that firearms open. I said, I'm not giving you crap. I'm just letting you know. So if I have to let you know twice, um, I'm going to suggest that you have to retake the club level safety course. Yep. yep. Most worry, people Josh, are really good. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Josh is just giving you a hard time because he's on a he's on a a roll today. So little saucy pants. Yeah. Right, he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> saucy pants. Uh, I th- oh, one more thing. I almost forgot. I actually finally got my uh, first contact from Operation Blazing Swords. Awesome. <laughs> That's been what? How, how long? What, three years ago? Four years ago? We had Aaron on the show, so I've been a, a volunteer instructor. Um, the only person who's ever contacted me is Greg from Pink Pistols, and we've actually gone shooting a couple times with Greg. And I hope he's got his firearms license now. I mean, he still doesn't have his firearms license. But uh, I had a young man named—I won't say his name—but I had a young man meet me up at the range, and I, I kind of liked his situation. He travels to the U.S. quite frequently, and all his friends in the queer community have CCWs, which is fantastic. But he says they want me to go shooting with them, but I don't want to look stupid, so I wonder if you can give me some training. I said, sure, no problem. And that's mm-hmm. the only reason he wanted it. He just because he wants to go with his friends. So I'm glad that so so many of his friends actually have CCWs. That's fantastic. So I just taught him that. I said, well, if, if you're going to go with your friends, you might have different guns. So I showed him the different safeties. I said, there's got to be something to open and close the slide. <laughs> there's going to have to be some way to open and take the mag out. So I had a, a Smith & Wesson that had a mag release in the front and a gun that had one in the bottom. So I basically showed him all the mechanics and how the different firearms operate. And then I just did his grip and his stance and his sighting. And uh, I just let him do one box of 50 with my 22. And I gave him uh, a few rounds through my 9mm. I'm kind of tired, but what's a what's a CCW? Uh, concealed carry permit. Really? Mm-hmm. How do they get those? 
you play American for. Friends. You American bet. Friends. Oh, American Friends. Sorry, I missed American that. American Friends. American yeah. Friends. Wait, well, like, hang on a America. second. Hang on a second. <laughs> so Wells was suggested to him that he get his Canadian firearms license because New Hampshire, as far as I understand, is still issuing CCWs. I suggest, you know, get your, get your New Hampshire CCW and take a concealed carry course. So I said, if you're down there and you're using a holster, then I gave him a, a little bit of basic holster instruction without a holster. You know, just how to drop from the holster with his finger, how to bring it close up into his chest, and not just no, not yeah. just not just to pull it, pull it straight out, just you no, know, keep it close to your body and everything. But uh, I, I don't give holster training to newbies like that. <laughs> I just gave you know, this is what you do if you have to do it. But I suggest getting his license and, and so getting the training. So if they're concealed, would that be like in the waistband, or how would that be? I wonder. Like, what did you? It could be. What did you well, train I did it. I did it from from the waistband because I just know to drop yeah. from the hip. Um, yeah. I don't know anybody actually that actually uses a shoulder holster. Most of them is either in the waistband or outside the waistband or in the purse or both. Yeah. Or, yeah. But, you know, if he's going to be traveling down there and he wants to use a gun for, especially for self-defense, he should take some training. There's some great instructors. Um, yeah. Who's the little guy that we had on a few years ago? <laughs> I don't think he'll appreciate you calling him the little guy. <laughs> well, he remembers. The gla- he's, he's the glass. Brian. I, Brian, I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot I like, your name, Brian. But Brian Sheets. I'm sorry, Brian. But, yeah, he's he's kind of short. He also leaves the chamber closed. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but there's somebody like that, like Brian Sheets, or Brian could easily suggest somebody in a, in a, a different area, depending where he's going. But I, I think it's great that all his friends have, have permits and that they're protecting themselves. Which was the whole point of Operation Blazing Sword, and it was to get people uh, in the queer community. None of it, I'm not queer. I just I don't mind helping anybody to shoot, but uh, get it. So it was because of a big shooting down in Florida. So people should have the ability to protect themselves, and in that community, there's there, there's a basic fear of firearms and a fear of um, maybe some of the straight community. So, which is why I don't mind taking my time. I don't care who you are. If you want to learn how to shoot, if you can't go into Operation Blazing Sword, they'll have my contact information there. So, what's the difference between Blazing Sword and Pink Pistols? Pink Just Pistols a chapter. It, it's funny though, because they were two separate chapter things, and they still are two separate things. But the person who ran Pink Pistols, and I forget her name, uh, I believe she had health issues, so she stepped down. Yes. And Aaron is doing both now. Very good. So the, the Operation Blazing Sword is actually, I believe, a charitable organization, and Pink Pistols is just, I don't think, believe that's a charitable organization. I could be mistaken, but I don't think it is. So okay. Operation Blazing Sword is more to teach people in the community how to shoot, and Pink Pistol tends to have more organized shoots and different things. Um, I've actually volunteered to, because part of Pink Pistols, and they've uh, they've never actually had a match like i we've had things set up a couple times and they've fallen through every time so all right well i'm gonna do what i did in guns and so i went out to uh gray fox strategic they're on the other side of ottawa here um i shoot with the uh, owner of it eric and he did a 3d scan of one of my revolvers to make a holster out of it pretty cool i've never seen that done before um, had to spray it down with this white powder and they just put on this cool little spinny wheel thing and had a whole setup with cameras and everything pointing at it and then 
just took out a thousand and one pictures. I assume that's what it does and turns it into a 3D model. So that's pretty cool. So we can make a holster out of that. Oh, excellent. So, yeah, that was cool. It was cool to go in there and see his operation and his wife. I can't remember what her name is. Super nice person. Took the kids, gave them candy. <laughs> Ooh. Fell the shirt and gave back to you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, like a grandma does kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, but that was cool. That was cool to see his operation. Pretty cool. I'm excited to get my holster from him. Um, I ran an i match last weekend. So I was supposed to run an IDPA match on the Saturday and then an i match on the Sunday. But we didn't get a lot of people signing up for the IDPA match. So what I decided is I told all the IDPA guys, the match is canceled. But if you want, you can. if you just want to come shoot with us, you can come shoot the i match. So I told them, just bring your regular semi-auto. I don't care what game you, you're playing with and playing with it in, as long as it's you know a legal gun for that, not open and not a, a rifle, not PCC, and pretty much come and shoot i with us. So they shot with our rules and everything, and they just loaded their mags up to eight because all the stages are designed for six and eight shot guns, and they'd have a huge advantage having 10 plus one. So, uh, but they were cool with it, and... I think they all had fun. They all really liked it. It's just a fun game to play, and, you know, more time shooting is more time shooting. So I think I'm actually going to keep doing that more. I'm going to start where if I'm doing a two matches in one weekend, I will just do the I-Core shooters for the first week, and then after the first week, I'll send out another email to all the IDPA and IPSC and whatever else people I have on my list and send them an email and say, hey, if you're interested, you're welcome to come shoot the I-Core match with us. And the Hopefully we'll get some more people out, which will be awesome. How much of a turnout did you have? Like how many people showed up? Oh, how many people actually showed up? Mm-hmm. Um, like ten or twelve. That's good. Um, we had we had like fifteen or sixteen people on the list, and like five people didn't show up, which was very odd. Actually, I felt terrible. One person came in, never met him before. He comes in, he had a truck. He comes up to me, says, "You're Mike." Yeah, I'm Mike. And he says. I, he says, I, I'm really sorry. I need to go home. There's an emergency going on at home. And I said, like, hey, look, I understand. You have an emergency. Go deal with it. I wish you the best of luck. He says, yeah. He's like, I'm really sad. He's like, I shot Ipsic and IDPA. This was going to be my first i match. I'm from Windsor. <laughs> oh, man. For anyone who knows Ontario geography, Windsor would be, how far is Windsor from, like, how far is Windsor from you guys? Like three hours. So it's probably a good 10-hour drive. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, he did say he was up visiting his son, who was, I don't know, military or something like that. Okay. Well, so, it wasn't so that, so, yeah, it wasn't just for, you know, a, lo- a local level match, but it's like, holy smokes, you came from Winter to shoot? Man. But, but yeah. That's yeah, a dedicated so we, new shooter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think they were calling for some bad weather that weekend, so I don't know if maybe that's why people changed their mind last minute. But whatever. But I mean, we did have, uh, I think we had about five IDPA shoot. Yeah, because some of them shot the day before. Yes, right. So we had about like 15 or 20 overall. But uh, yeah, some of them shot the day before. And like everyone I talked to said it was tons of fun and they would do it again. Like the rules in i are very simple. That like they're you know pretty much listen to what the state description says and be safe and that's pretty much like the rules of I-Corps. Um, bring extra patches. Yeah, bring extra patches because you never know if I don't have them. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, so yeah, no, they had lots of fun. So I think I'm going to keep doing that. I think they'll uh, enjoy that. Um, I ordered a new shell plate for my uh, for my Progressive Press. So if you don't know what that is, it's like a circle and it has little half circle notches in it where the a case can go in. So they're all caliber specific. So I had to buy a new one for my 40 because I realized if I'm going to reload 40 for uh, IDP Provincials, I need to do that. But I ordered it from Budget Shooter Supply. Have either of you ever ordered anything from Budget Shooter Supply? I've never yeah. heard of it. I have. Yeah. I Now, maybe I just never actually read the email, but they sent out a very interesting email. So this is my order complete email. Good news. Your items have been shipped. Your items were gently taken from our shelves with sterilized contain- contamination-free gloves and placed into a satin pillow. A team of 50 employees inspected your product and polished them to make sure they were in the best possible condition before mailing. My packing specialist from Japan lit a candle and a hush fell over the crowd as he put your products into the finest packaging that money can buy. We all had a wonderful celebration afterward, and the whole party is set to march down the street to the post office, where the entire town of Surrey will wave bon voyage to your package. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's the best one yet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Oh, sorry. There's actually a little bit more. I hope you had a wonderful time shopping with me on the Internet. I sure did. Your picture is on our, on our wall as customer of the year. I'm exhausted, but can't wait for you to come back again. Oh, my goodness. That is all. I don't know if I've never read an email from them or it's just that, ah, yeah, you know, you just scroll down to the shipping. You know, you just need the shipping code, and that's all you care about. But I don't know. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, that would would warrant a response for me. I would definitely. (laughs) That was good. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, And then after that, I, I finally got through to the RCMP to start the transfer. Um, actually, I got through just yesterday. Yesterday at like two thirty, so probably pretty close to their quitting time too. Um, but I finally <laughs> managed to make it through. I think it is getting easier to get through. I've at least gotten into like the waiting queue more often than just getting kicked out right away. So they finally opened the bit. We the, the computer crash shoots of businesses are finally be able to do them online right now. Yeah, so that could also be what's kind of alleviating yeah. some of that pressure. But yeah, so that that's good. I mean, I've done my half of it. Now, once the other guy does, then I can uh, ship it off. So I'm happy about that. Um, and then I actually shot another IDPA match today and a classifier out at EOSC. Uh, another fantastic match by them. I shot SSP for the match, and then I did a classifier after an SSP and in revolver. And I got Marksman and uh, SSP, and I got Expert and Revolver, which I was quite excited about. Well, not, I don't know if excited is the right word. Quite happy with, because I wasn't really shooting the classifier to actually get classified. In IDPA, if you go to shoot a match larger than a local-level match, you need to have an update, up-to-date classifier. So in, in other words, you have to have shot one within the last year. Well, I've made Expert and revolver for that so you can't go down and i was like i haven't been training i haven't i shot my gp100 which i haven't even shot in probably two years now ever since i got my 627 so it's really my first time even shooting it and i was just like whatever i just need to get through it i'm not going to make master and i can't go down so 
like whatever. All I'm really doing is just resetting a timer for IDPA, and I ended up shooting expert. So I was quite happy about that. Excellent. So I'm Excellent. Yeah. Uh, sure you're not expecting it. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was nice when not expecting it. So. So yeah. how far off master is that? Like, what are the levels? Master would be the next level up. Okay. But it's based on time, and I don't even remember what my final time was, and I don't know what it takes to get to master. Do they have a grandmaster as well? There is a grandmaster in IDPA, but the only way you can achieve that rank is to win your division, and there has to be so many master class shooters at least in it, and it has to be there was it was originally one of three matches. It was like nationals. There used to be a Smith and Wesson indoor nationals, and then I think there was another national match, like three, like the three major matches that were like the the championships of IDPA. You had to win that. Like you had to win your division to or to get the rank of grandmaster. So well, it's still possible. You could still it's get possible. it. Possible. Yeah, you could it's still, still get possible. it. It's still possible. It's just it's one of those things that like. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of respect for anyone in Icor or Ipsic who makes it to the rank of grandmaster. But to to get grandmaster in IDPA, you either have to be really lucky or really good to actually beat other people not just oh i can do it so well and i get the title no you actually have to beat people and almost like prove your worth so yeah, yeah. that would be something to see yeah. i'd like to see a match like that <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah i'd, I'd like to good. go to i mean that's pretty much sarah's and my our retirement plan is to get an rv and pretty <laughs> much just cruise around the state go to all the different like the plan is get a big map of the u.s and like we're going to go and shoot every state championship or something like that. You know what I mean? And That'd be that, cool. Yeah, I think it'd be a ton of fun. Well, that's what I did when we, were, we, were, we had a grand power thing at uh, Silverdale. The the Epsic Nationals were, or the Ventrals were going on. So when we were done up, I just went over to the bays and I watched some of the top shooters. And, oh, it was, it was, to me, it was fun. I love watching these guys that could perform so well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's about all I've been up to. Uh, Amanda, how, what have you been up to? Well, I didn't do a whole lot, but I did get my vest, guys. It finally came in. How come you're not wearing it? Yeah. Come on. We have, we have video. We can, Let's we, give it We can only see us. her head up anyway. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, if she's I'm assuming everyone's wearing pants. I'll just, put, just the vest, nothing else. Well, <laughs> not everyone. No. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh. Anyway, I'll, I'll do some PG pictures for Instagram later no, and show everybody my best. So that'll be all right. Uh, no, I'm super excited about it. It definitely I was a little worried because it, we had to ship it from the European line. So it like it took a couple weeks, three weeks yeah, to get here. Relatively quick. I yeah. think so. But yeah, but relatively quick considering. <laughs> so I was sitting there going, oh, what if we it's not the right size for me. Right. But luckily everything fits. So it was all good. Perfect. I'm really excited to use it. So that was, that was pretty excited. I can't wait to try it out. And I like, I think it'll be handier, not just for uh, the clay shooting, but I'm really hoping I'll be able to use it at the club for different, like doing the cross crunchy shoot and yeah, all that I mean, too. I think it'll be fine. Any like type of rifle can, shooting you can wear. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, mags exactly. and ammo in there, it'd be great. Exactly. So uh, today we uh, volunteered ourselves for the uh, club uh, cleanup day. So we have an event coming up next weekend, and so they wanted to try and uh, get the club up, up to snuff. So uh, Josh and I um, volunteered our morning 
this morning and just did some cleanup stuff. So uh, what did I do? I ended up, we changed all the targets in the indoor range. Oh, the backstops. Uh, oh, back yeah. Yep. And then we did the, I was um, sanding or um, yeah, scraping the benches and re-varnishing them. And then Josh decided to take off to the dump and he's like, oh, it should only be 10 minutes. He's like gone for an over an hour. It's so, a beautiful morning yeah. for a drive. Yeah, yeah. You got the lazy job. I was like, thanks a lot, buddy. That's, that's so, what you get when you show up with a truck, though. You yeah. Get to be a truck driver. Jeez. Man, oh, man. But, I mean, it was good to see uh, a lot of new members out. Yeah, it's, really we- cool. it's weird. You know, I show up and usually I know everybody or most people and I didn't know hardly anybody. This I, I, mean, <laughs> I only knew five people out of yeah. maybe the 25 that we saw because there was a bunch in the in the bush as well. Be like, I'm Josh. You know who I am. Don't you know who I am? No. <laughs> you Nobody know who I am. Who I am. <laughs> so, so that was cool. And then our hope is maybe tomorrow to go to clay, clay shooting and get that because it's a kid-free weekend. So we'll see what we can do. So other than that, nothing much with me. That's you it. Ended up going clay shooting, what was that, two weeks ago when we did our last podcast? Oh, what did we do? Did we do a mini one last? We were too busy. We we're doing yard work or something, or I don't know. We've had a lot going on life, the last few weeks. Life got in the way, I think. Yeah. Was that when we was that when we went to go check out the cars? I don't know. Maybe. I think so. But uh, yeah, I haven't done much either. Just the cleanup day this morning, and that's about it. Haven't been out shooting at all. It's kind of sad since range day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the weather's finally nice. Yeah. Right. And you don't get to do any shooting. That's right. <laughs> No. Hey, Mike, back to you, back to you again. I know you yeah. just did a lot of talking, but did you, uh, did you did you bring Sarah along to pick you out a, a fancy uh, pattern for your gray fox holster, or did you pick something boring, or what did you do? No, so Sarah was working, so she couldn't come with me. But uh, he asked me what color I want, and I said, I don't know. I have to ask my wife. So <laughs> I just went home and I opened it up on the website and I said, Here, pick me pick me a color. So they don't they I mean they had camouflage pattern, but like I'm not into camouflage pattern as a as a clothing style so uh pretty much all they had were solid colors so sarah picked out like a i think i'd call it like a navy bluish kind of color like a dark blue okay yeah so no no fun no fun hawaiian but uh okay still colorful (laughs) yeah can't have plain black Right. Mm, no, but no. I mean that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. All right, but that's about it for me. Josh, what did you do? Well, like I said, that's about all I did too. It's just <laughs> clean up day, no shooting. No, I haven't been shooting at all. Nothing. Going yeah, around to people. Do you don't you know who I am? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You should know who I am. Uh, oh man. No other than range, that. range intimidation. That's all I've been doing. <laughs> Sometimes you have uh, to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Open that chamber. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So tonight's main topic is about how to develop a load, the beginner's edition. So what I mean by that is you get your first press and you, you know, you're trying to figure out how to load and you open up your reloading book and you say, "All right, this, these are great numbers. What do any of them mean? <laughs> how do I, how do I do this? You know? It's all gonna um, look like gibberish to me. Yeah, and it kind of does when you first get into it. Um, 
So, you know, maybe you've been saving your brass for the last few years. You just got your press and you're ready to give reloading a try, but you just don't know what components you should buy, you know, what brand or model, you know, how much do you need, you know, how does it all go together? Well, I mean, the press does all that for you, but yeah. So the first thing you're going to need is to determine why you're reloading. And that might sound like a weird question, but it kind of drives everything else. And it's, are you doing it to save money? Are you doing it to develop, you know, super accurate load? Or are you doing it to, you know, make sure that you're going to make power factor at your next match? Um, most, if not all, of my reloading is geared towards saving money and producing high-quality ammunition that meets power factor. Um, so isn't all, that just basically all three of them to put together? Well, yes and no. So my version of high-quality means that I am using a coated bullet so that it keeps my gun clean because I hate cleaning it. Okay. And it, usually they are just better quality rounds in general. I just find that they don't deform nearly as much, so they'll be more consistent. Um, so what do you what do you mean by coated bullet? Like uh, like a copper jacket or a, or a? I use I do the copper jacket. I don't do the poly yeah. thing. I yeah. tried that. I bought some off someone, and I I'm sure that if you bought like for real store bought stuff, it would have been a better quality. But I was just so disappointed in the quality of this stuff that I just so these are like, these are like powder coated. Uh, yeah, they're like some sort of powder, yeah. paint-coated kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, and also by quality ammunition, I also mean like uh, I put, I always, we'll get to it later, but I always use federal primers, and that's because they, they go off the easiest. So okay. that, that that's what I meant by quality. Like I care about accuracy, but like as I'll get into it, I really don't. I just need a group, you know, three, four inches, and I'll be happy enough for the kind and of shooting that I'm that doing. Even though you're bumping up that mild amount of quality, you're still saving money. Yes, yes. So, okay. like, that's where, like, that part comes in, right? So, like, by saving money, I buy everything in bulk, right? Okay. I buy, if I can, I'll buy the eight-pound jugs or the, you know, or four pounds if they have that. I never buy one-pound jugs. I always buy my primers by the thousands um, and my bullets, too, right? I'll, I always buy them by the thousands. I don't buy any of these smaller quantities. Okay. Um, yeah. So pretty much I will summarize as I go what you would do if you were reloading strictly for cost or for fun. Um, I'm going to be using myself as an example as I will be developing a load in the near future for my Smith & Wesson 610, which is a 10 millimeter revolver, um, although I will be shooting 40 Smith & Wesson out of it in IDPA. Um, so power factor in IDPA for enhanced revolver, which is what this gun would fall into, is 155. So for people that don't know what that means, it's pretty much you take the weight of the bullet in grains, you multiply it by the speed that it's traveling in feet per second, then you divide that answer by a thousand. So I will get my ammunition. That, that's how you get your ammunition power factor. Um, I need to make sure that I am above my power factor of 155. Usually I aim for at least five over power factor just to give me some cushion room as weather and location can affect the speed in which your bullet does travel. Um, if you're really concerned about it, you can go way over. If you're super confident, you can get it right down to 155. But, you know, all you need is to not make power factor and all your money and your whole day is, quote unquote, wasted because you don't and get I mean a score. And I mean, this is this is trusted science. I mean, trust the numbers. If you have calculated the proper power factor, it's going to translate into reality. You're going to hit this 
it will get you close. Yeah. And the reason why I specifically say that is when you read through your manuals, well, some of them do, they will even say what gun they tested it out of. So what barrel length they, what barrel length they use, you know, what kind of gun. So it being a 40 Smith Wesson is going to be a semi-auto predominantly caliber. So they probably tried it in, I'm just going to pick a random gun, a Glock and they right. might've done it. And I don't know what the, and like a four inch Glock. So if you, we all have four and a quarter, so you might get a little bit more velocity out of it. Right. A lot of times with revolver rounds, they always seem to be testing them in like these six or eight inch, you know, long barrel. They use these huge barrels. So if you use anything shorter, you're going to lose some speed. Right. I use the book and the speed that it gives you as a starting point, but it is not it is not what I would use going to a match. I would never assume that my rounds are going the speed that they advertise in the book, especially when you're shooting a revolver. I've got a new question. in. So why do you have a power factor? Why? Um, it is, well, I, this is my own assumption, it is to make sure that everything is fair for everybody. Um, because I could download my load so that they come out of it, you know, they barely make it to the target and barely even punch a hole in the paper if I really wanted to. Um, but it wouldn't really be fair that I'm shooting super light ammo and then the guy next to me is shooting this super, you know, the bear defense loads. So what they do is they come up with a power factor and that guarantees that everyone is shooting with at least comparable ammunition the, the reason being so the person with the the, the bear the heavy loads it's going to take him longer to require his, his sight picture because he has more recoil to, to deal with compared yeah. to somebody who doesn't have a light load you're on target a lot faster your gun's not moving as much so it gives you a, an advantage having a lighter load yeah oh yeah when you have a major and a minor power power factor like an ipsec yeah yeah, in IDPA and I-Core, there is no major, major, minor. There's just one power factor for. Well, I-Core is just one for the whole game, and IDPA it depends on what division you're shooting in. Um, so I am assuming that you are using whatever brass you picked up from the range, and will for the most part be, it will be inconsequential for the conversation. Um, and what I mean by that is the head stamp of your brass. Um, I still separate mine out because Thomas said one time that he separated out his, and then all of a sudden my OCD said, I should do that too. So now I'm stuck <laughs> doing it every time, even though how lots of times it doesn't even matter. But to be honest, I also use it as an organization method because I keep notes of everything. So I can separate my loads based on what head stamp I use, and it's a quick way of being able to look it around and know, oh, I loaded this with this load this this formula for lack of a better word have um, you ever seen where one one uh, brand of brass has produces a different power factor than another or is it just i've never checked enough with to see for power factor so really it's just ocd that's it no I, I don't yeah. think so yeah. well, um there... a good example like i find going through my dice federal goes through like butter uh, the Winchester, especially new brass, you have to fight it to resize it, and then every time you use it, you got to resize it. So the Winchester, I think, is a little bit smaller, therefore maybe a little less uh, case capacity compared yeah. to my Federals. But, it's minute, but it's yeah. enough to cause a deviation and a couple of feet per second. Yeah, a couple feet per second isn't going to make a big change for me. No. Uh, I'm not shooting super high accuracy rounds. I'm not. I'm also referring mostly to this all about shooting handguns, right? Where, you know, yeah. a little bit of deviation and that's fine. Precision all, long range is another story. This yeah, is, that is yeah. a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, so the only time that I've ever had where brass actually matters is 
with moon clips because there's a little rim. I mean, we all probably know there's a little rim, that indentation that it has to hold on to the moon clip. I have found, depending on what caliber, that some cases are drast- held drastically different in yeah. the moon clips. And I found this out. It's because they're I don't know if this is true for all calibers, but I know true for 38 slash 357 that there is no actual spec on that rim and that indentation. So every manufacturer does it a little differently. If you were not shooting with a moon clip, it wouldn't matter. You would never notice this and you'd just be happy, happy with life. But for people like me with moon clips, I actually have to care about what, because some of them fit better in the moon clip. They, they, they go in better, they stay in better and they're, they don't have as much jiggle which makes it better for when you're doing your reload, you know, in a rush. Um, so that's about the only real thing. But I mean, I'm going to guess that 40 probably has uh, some sort of standard for their, for their, uh, for their rim. And I only say that because I have tried, I have about a dozen different brands that I have, and I tried them all in the moon clip and they pretty much all fit the exact same. So that's, that's good, I guess, because it means that I can just, pick whichever one I want, but I know Sarah's 929, which is a 9mm, that one, you have to be very particular about what brass you use, because sometimes the, the rounds will just fall out. For me, I cannot use 38, spe- 38 brass for my special or or my 357, because those ones, they will literally just follow the moon clip. like Without doing anything to them, they'll just fall out. So I can't have rounds just falling out, so that's, <laughs> so that's you know, so like in that case, your brass matters, but for most people shooting a semi, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I started by asking a friend what the most popular and readily available bullet weights are for my 40 Smith and Wesson. Um, I looked up what I'm able to get in a round nose because that's real, that's important to me as a revolver shooter. It really helps the, the speed reload. And I looked for that in the weight that he, he suggested. So when I was satisfied, I found a reliable bullet with a re- from a reliable company. I went ahead and I purchased a few thousand bullets. Um, how many buy it up to you? I bought 3,000, and that's actually a pretty low number for me. Um, I don't know why I only bought 3,000, maybe just to test it out. But uh, the bullet I selected was a 180 green FCP RN bullet from Campro. So FCP stands for full copper plating, which means that it has copper all the way around. Sometimes you get some that don't have copper at the base pad. It's an exposed uh, back of the bullet. This is completely covered all the way around. And the RN stands for round nose. Um, I've always liked Campros. Uh, they have really good consistency, really good pricing. They're good quality bullets. Um, and I actually, well, I used to buy them off a, a fellow shooter and a friend. So, you know, that's always nice throwing a friend good business especially when they're selling a good product. Well, so, I'm finding you right that, now. There's none left anywhere. Well, yeah, that's another thing now. Um, so that's pretty much how I selected my bullet. If you were trying to do this on the cheap, like you're doing the cheapest, then I would say just find the cheapest bullet you can find and just go ahead and go for it if that's what you want. If you want to find the cheapest copper-plated bullet, then do that. It, it really, the bullet doesn't make a huge difference. Like when you're talking nine millimeter and stuff like that, um, you don't find a lot of wad cutters or semi wad cutters in nine millimeters. So I wouldn't be worried about that. But any of your standard round nose, truncated, 
uh, flat points, anything like that, they'll they would all be they would all function most likely good in your gun. It's a pretty safe bet that you could buy them and they'll work. The only variance you're gonna get is maybe the diameter of the bullet because you can get three five five or three five six. That yeah, that 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 could make a difference if you're reloading for cheap though you don't it doesn't really matter and if you're reloading for to make it as cheap as possible then it doesn't really matter it as long as it works in your gun yeah reloading for precision then you want to get something that's going to be as tight as possible yeah there is a benefit to that yeah at that point um so now that i have a bullet weight uh and i know what my power factor is i am able to work backwards to determine what speed i need the bullet to be traveling at to achieve my power factor um, this may be a math lesson for some, but it's simple once you understand it. Um, first, I multiply my power factor I want by a thousand. So I'm using a power factor of 160 because I want that extra cushion room. Therefore, I multiply 160 by a thousand, give me 160,000. Next, I divide the number by the bullet weight in grains, which is 180 grains in my case. So 160,000 divided by 180 is 889 feet per second. So that's what the speed I need. So now I have, now I know how fast my bullet needs to be, need to travel for this. Um, yeah. So now that you have your speed and you have your bullet weight, you got to find a recipe for it. Um, a recipe is essentially what it sounds like. It's a, you know, it's a list of ingredients and how much you need to make a, you know, a wonderful thing. So. I have a couple of reloading books. Um, I believe I have a Lee one and a Hornady one. Um, I always recommend that you get at least one paper copy copy uh, book. Because you never know when your internet's going to be down and you need a quick check to double check stuff. But a very good website that I use a lot and I would highly recommend is the Hodgson's website. Um, so I will put a link in the uh, show notes for that. It's very simple and it's a great website to use i always i pretty much always use it when i get a new load because i can do it anywhere right if i'm at work you can pull out your phone and just do it at work or whatever you don't have to lug around these textbooks with you you're developing Uh, loads at work (laughs) on my break yeah (laughs) wink wink yeah Uh, (laughs) so So just a footnote hodgson actually bought winchester uh powders so if you any of your winchester data will be on the hodgson site Winchester, Hodgson's, and I think IMR, I think, are all owned by them now. Yeah. Um, Very cool. Yep. So pretty much you go to the website and you select, you start by picking your caliber, your bullet weight. You can choose what what powder manufacturer, like powder specifically, or just a general powder manufacturer if you want. Um, I normally would because I know what powder I'm going to use because I have, like, an undisclosed number of pounds of it at my house. So, so I'm going to use that one. Obviously I'm not going to go out and buy another one when I have a ton. Um, so I put it, put in the 40 Smith and Wesson and I put in a bullet weight of 180 grains. I left the powder spot empty just so I could look at it and, uh, and just see what I have. So, or what comes up. So now looking at the results, you will see it will, it will tell you everything possible recipe that they have in there and they'll have a minimum and a maximum um things like your expected pressures your the, the expected speed of the bullet and a whole pile some other information but to be honest a lot of it goes over my head i just you know those are the important things your minimum your maximum and the speeds really um 
So if I didn't already have a powder, I would look around and make sure that my powder was good enough that it would make that I had some room below minimum speed or like the speed that I want just so that I know that, okay, I'm not, you know, scraping the bottom. So if you're using something like a semi, it will help guarantee that it will function. Um, I also want something that has room above my, the max, my power factor because I don't want to be right at the very top and I don't want this to be, uh, you know, make power factor and blow up my gun or go home with nothing. So, you know, so it's good to pick something like that. So you can go through and you can kind of pick what you want. So my speed was one eight, sorry, 889. I'm used to most of my speeds being in the thousands when you're talking semis. Um, yeah, so I just find that and I do all that, but I already have powder. So I'm just going to look straight down at the tight group because that's what I have. Um, if you were if you were trying to do this as cheap as possible, you can look through it and you can find out, you know, who uses the least amount of powder. You could compare it to how much your powder actually costs because, you know, powder is not one price for all. They do vary sometimes a lot in how much, you know, one pound cost. Um, so you can check that. But the reality that I've learned is that at least with handguns, unless you're using like trail boss, the cost per round doesn't really change because you're talking about a fraction of a penny, pretty much the amount of powder that you're going to put in there. So, like, yes, your powder might go a little more, but it's not going to be – that's not where you're going to save your money. Where you're going to save your money really is on your bullet. That's what's going to cost you the most. So in my case, I'm going to be using tight group, um, as that's what I already have. The minimum for that is 4.2 grains, and that would get, give me a theoretical speed of 109 feet per second. And the maximum is 4.7 grains at 988 feet per second. So the minimum is above my desired speed, but not by enough that I care. It's not like I feel like I'm going to be wasting powder if I put in 4.2 and it actually goes 900 feet per second. That just means I have a little bit more cushion room. Um, so using that data, you kind of decide what test rounds you want to make. So because the minimum is already above my power factor, I'm going to do one test at 4.2 grains, and then I'll go up 0.2 grains to 4.4. And that is, I always like going with more than one option because the last thing I want to do is show up to the range, shoot, you know, all my rounds to that 4.2 and find out that, oh, they're actually not enough. So I can put 4.4. If, if my 4.2 makes power factor and I'm not going to, and I'm not going to do any 4.4, I can just shoot them through the gun and then it doesn't matter, right? I can just have fun with those couple of rounds that I loaded up. Not a big deal. Um, yeah. So if you're if you're loading for cost, like I said, just pick a number between the two values. Keep away from the top. You don't need to be hitting the top. You're only going to, you know, be closer to damaging something or higher risk if something goes wrong. Uh, but you want to stay above the minimum. And I would go a little bit above the minimum only just to make sure assuming that you're using a semi, that it functions correctly, because you do need enough recoil to actually run your slide backwards, right? That is probably something that you do see quite often when people start messing with their loads, is that even though how the power factor might allow you to do a speed as low as you want, your gun may not, because it might not be enough force to actually cycle your gun. Like with my, uh, my, Walt, my Q5 steel frame, I have to put a little bit more powder in that one compared to my plastic one because it just takes a little bit more to, to cycle it and it, 
not really a big deal. It's just you just need to know this stuff. So you need to go out there and practice with it and find it out so you know it so you can load up a better round for next time. Um, can I ask you a question? Uh, last, yeah, go ahead. So when you're when you're developing a load, like say you said for example you'd want to do one at say four point two, then four point four, maybe four point six. How many yeah. how many rounds do you make to test? So like do you like make ten of each and then go to the range and just test those ten? Um so it depends on the combination or uh, the gun, really. Um so what I usually do is I usually do five or ten of each testing point, depending on how many spots they have, like points they have. If I have a lot, like if I was doing rifle stuff and I'm trying to do accuracy and I had like ten different, you know, amounts I want to do, I might only do five of each, just because I'm getting lazy at that point. Um, but it also depends on the the gun too, and I say that because the gun that we're using is a six shot revolver. So my OCD says that I need to fill up the whole moon clip. So I'm going to do 12 of each. And the reason for that is that will give me two full moon clips. So that will be almost like two separate batches. So I can shoot six over the chronograph, take my results, shoot another six, and see how those compare to each other. Right? It's just, just my weird way that I do it. No, I'm um, the same way. Since I shoot sense. semis, I make 10. <laughs> yeah. It's one I, magazine. I up, like, yeah, three mags. I just tested three mags. Yep. And then in a case like that, I would probably take a patch and put it on there, and I might rate a number on it, you know. And then on my on my reloading notes, I might rate, okay, well the four point two is number one, four point four is number two, and that way I can just keep track of them. I just shoot them, I can make notes, and I can just base my notes based on what numbers on the bottom of the mag, and I don't have to keep going back and referring. Well, how much powder did I put into this one, or what difference did I make in this one? I can just kind of record everything, take it home, and then analyze it. Um. Sorry, I'm just going to scroll okay, back up here. Yep. Uh, the the last component that we haven't really talked yet about is your primer. Um, if your gun is stock, like you have you haven't messed with springs or anything in it, nearly all primers will function in your in your firearm. Um, if you have modified your firearm at all, like uh, changing the weight of the hammer springs, changing out your actual hammer, things like that, that like affect the ability for the gun to actually light off the round then you may need to focus more on softer primers, like Federal. Um, by softer, what I really mean is that they are the easiest to set off. So if you hear someone refer to like Winchester's as hard primers, what they really mean is that they're harder to set off. So a stock gun will hit it with enough force, but when you start tweaking with your trigger and your hammer and your springs and stuff like that, some, it's not hitting it with the same amount of force. So you, you may need to switch to Federal. Another reason why you might want to switch to federal, your, circ your, your circumstance obviously will determine this, is because federal go off easier, it also means that they are, for lack of a better term, more reliable. They will always go off every time you pull the trigger. I have heard people say, oh, you know, I only reload my hunting rounds with federal because when that deer is in my sight, the last thing I want to hear, clicks, you know, so... So they want to make sure that that round's going to go off and that 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 primer is going to function correctly. Um, federal primers are not much more expensive than other primers. So once again, I feel like that's one of those items that you're uh, trying to think. How much is a primer? A primer, or at least what it was. It was, I think, about five cents a primer. So it didn't no, really. A, no, it's a buck fifty, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Last price I Cost saw was eighty-five dollars for five hundred. Yeah. So. 
So what? That's about so that's about eight and a half cents around. Um, I have found cheaper primers, and like they work great in the stock guns. I just I can't put them in my revolvers because all my revolvers I've messed with them, and the, the trigger pulls too light, and they won't set them off. And also, I want to know that when I go to a match, every one of my primers are going to work. The last thing I want to worry about when I'm at match is my ammunition. I just want to know it works. Um, so if you're unsure of your primers, whether they'll function or not in your gun, what you can do is you can reload an empty case with a primer. So you put the primer in, there's no powder, there's no bullet, neither of those things. Take that empty case, you can put it in your gun, and pretty much pull the trigger on it. And don't think that just because there's just a primer in there that it's not going to be loud. Because it's louder than you think it is. Um, ask me how I know. How do you know? How do you know, Mike? <laughs> you shoot that off without ear protection thinking, ah, oh, it's just the primer. It's not even the powder. You shoot it off and that little crack goes off and you go, huh. I know my hearing's bad, but I think it just got a little bit worse. <laughs> well, the worst than that is, is getting screamed at from the wife upstairs because she, think you, she thinks you, you shot herself or, or you let, let go around in the basement. And the dog's going nuts yeah. and running around the house. Yeah. Well, it that, makes that, up she might shoot back. <laughs> Possible. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. So the there second I, time I did it, I let her know and I wore hearing protection. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so that, that is a good way of checking to see if your primers work or not. Um, I do it all the time with my guns when I've been messing with the triggers or when I've completely disassembled. Like, the revolvers, you have to take out the hammer spring and stuff like that when you're messing with the internals, cleaning it up. Um, so when you're doing that, yeah, you really should check it again when you're done to make sure that it's going to work or at least be prepared that you might have to change things. Like, a lot of the semis, to change out a hammer spring is a lot more intensive than it is to tighten a revolver spring you like you take out the grip and you tighten one little screw and that's it you keep going um but yeah that's pretty much how i do it i usually i'll load up once again a moon clip because my ocd said i need to do one full moon clip and i i require 100 percent success rate i would not accept anything under 100 <laughs> percent right um but well, I mean, you're also talking about a batch out of a out of six rounds, six or eight rounds, right? Yeah. So, like, your batch is so small that you have to be very picky about it because it could legitimately be one out of every six rounds, and that would really suck. You go to a match and one out of every oh, yeah. cylinder was a dud. Um, you know, it may be one in a thousand, and you just happen to pick that one thousandth one in there, but I'm not taking that risk. I'll tighten it up, and I'll go through the whole process again. Um but that's pretty much how I do it. Once you're satisfied that your primer and your, your primer works, your bullet weight's right, you have your you have your, your powder measurement, you're pretty much ready. So load up those test rounds that we talked about and head on out to the range. So I test all my ammo over a chronograph. I always recommend that you do it. Um, I mean, unless you're just loading for cheap ammo and you're just looking for uh, just looking to make sure that the gun's actually going to function. But for me, I, I need to know that it's going to make speed. So I set up the chronograph. Once again, I'll do a batch of six. I'll calculate my average speed. I'll check my minimum, my maximum. Uh, I, I want to know that my minimum speed I got overall out of all the rounds I shot will make power factor. And that's so that if that one bad round with the powder that got held up somewhere, 
it will still hopefully make power factor so I don't have to worry about it. That's my theory behind it. I don't want to be like, well, 50% made power factor. That That's not good enough for me, right? What if you got those bad three at the, at the chronograph stage for the match, right? Like sometimes life just, you know, sucks like that. So I want to know with complete confidence that it's going to make it. I also want to know what the maximum is so I can check and see what my spread is. I know when you get into like rifle and precision shooting, they care a lot about what that spread is. For me, I don't care so much. I just don't want it to be wild. I don't want it to be, you know, some crazy high number. I just want it to be, you know, relatively consistent that I can feel confident that if, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to go wild, get a really, really low one or a really, really hot one. Um, while I'm doing this, you are kind of testing your accuracy at the same time. For me, like we were talking earlier about accuracy, I just need a three to four inch group and I can, that's good enough for all my action shooting, to be honest. Um, I, I'm sure my rounds make a much better hole, hole than that, but I'm just looking for good enough at this point. Um, really, like I said, it's that and making sure that like the bullets aren't tumbling. So tumbling means when your bullet actually starts to spin. I mean, it, it spins in the air already. It spins 90 degrees from the direct, from the way that you think it should spin. So it's going sideways down the range. Um, when it does that, your accuracy is wild. Your holes are wild. It's it's not so a good place to be. What causes that? Um, you can ha- that can be caused by grossly missizing your bullet. If you have a way too small of a bullet, it can do that. Um, you, I think you can get that if you go. If you go, if you're like scraping the bottom of for speed, I think it can start doing that. Um, the quality of your bullet can do that. Uh, I don't know if you can push a bullet so fast that it starts to tumble. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you have to have a specific twist weight. We we had a yeah. bunch of Norinco um, five five six, and it wouldn't it wouldn't shoot in any of the rifles. They all keyhole every single one. Yeah. I find you see it you see it a lot more in rifles than I've found that you see it in handguns. Usually when you see it in a handgun, you can almost look at the ammunition and tell, oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> like you'll see like bullets that are grossly like deformed or something like they're lead and someone drops up like their entire box and then just picks it up and puts it back in. But like there's clearly like a chunk missing out of it or like their bullet. Like you can just look at the case and you can see like, oh, that bullet isn't straight. Because if your bullet is cockeyed when it goes into the rifling, it's going to be cockeyed when it comes out. If you put, a, if you put a ding in the wide. muzzle. It could it could grab it on the way out yep. too. It could destabilize yep. it. Yep, you could have problems like that. It could be your firearm that's actually causing your problem. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and also obviously while you're doing this, you are testing to see if the gun is cycling correctly without even realizing it, right? Because like I said, I need I need 100 act. I need 100 percent reliability. So if my gun didn't function even a little bit, I would I would figure out what it is. You know, if it's a semi. It, most likely it means you didn't put enough powder and you need some more powder in there. Um, yeah. And then if you're, like I said, if you're just reloading for, for funsies to save ammo or save money, then you don't really need a chronograph. Just, you're just making sure it functions and that the bullets aren't keyholing. So assuming that at least one of your loading satisfies you, then you just developed your first load. Yay. <laughs> Uh, now it's he- time to head back home and start cranking out rounds. If not, then you'll have to head home, make adjustments, 
pretty much the the only real ways that you can make adjustments is in the length of the the cartridge. You can make them shorter or longer, or the amount of powder that's in them. Um, I I have only ever had a functioning problem once that, and it was a functioning problem. So it wasn't that the gun didn't shoot. It wasn't that it wasn't making power factor. It was purely a functioning problem, and it was when the bullet was coming out of the magazine into the gun. And that time, I think my my rounds were too long. I was loading for, like, the maximum overall length, and someone had said, just make them a little shorter, and that's all I did. I made them a couple thousand shorter and ran just fine. So it's just a matter of getting it to run the magazine. I was actually just thinking, and I realized I've never actually done this. You could actually, I guess, preload your... Actually, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say no powder, no primer, but load your bullet, put them in your magazines, and you probably could rack the slide. And it might not be 100% simulation, but you might get some simulation of if it would function properly or not. I've never actually tested that. I don't know if the holding onto the slide, the slide moves a little bit slower, not the same way as when you're shooting. So it may function a little different on the range, but that is a, a way that I guess you could check at home before you get all the way out to the range. Um, uh, another variable could be your crimp. That could really affect your velocity. If you do a super tight crimp on it, it could let the pressure build up a little longer. Yeah. And the roll, the Lee uses a roll. What type of crimp does the Hornady? Does it do a roll crimp? Oh, I, I have Lee dies, so it does a roll crimp. Yeah, so does a roll crimp. Okay. And I like the Lee dies. Yes, I I specifically buy the Lee dies for the roll crimp in it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't I don't usually recommend people mess with that as much because I usually find that the roll crimp it will affect your speed, but if you need more speed, you could just add more powder. Right? You don't necessarily need to add the crimp. But the crimp is something that you might need to adjust if you're shooting a revolver. And actually this is something that I should also bring up. If you're shooting a revolver, you should shoot all but one round. And then you should pop that one round out before you shoot it and see how much the bullet has moved. Um on semis, you don't get the same kind of recoil, so I find I've never seen a bullet actually come out of a case with a semi, but I've seen it a ton of times with revolvers. Oh, something yeah. about the something about the recoil, the snappiness of it, the bullets kind of jump out. They start slowly sliding out of the case, and a little bit is okay. A little bit is okay. You you can get by with a little bit as long as you know that like oh I know that my bullet's still in there quite a bit. You know it's not right on the edge. The bigger, the biggest problem you really get is when your bullet actually falls out. Um, in a revolver, it can either fall out and it can literally fall right out of your uh, your the cylinder, and then you're essentially just shooting a blank round. Which you know everyone's going to wonder why. Hey, how come there's no bullet hole on that target? Um, and then also the other part of it too is that if that round comes out of the cylinder or out of the case but stays in the cylinder you can theoretically fire off that round and have all the pressure because the bullet's not sitting in there properly crimped the pressure can go around the bullet and now you have a bullet that's stuck in your cylinder you do a reload now you have a fully loaded round behind that round that's stuck inside your cylinder and you're about to have a really bad day (laughs) yeah because that is pretty much I would nearly guarantee that you are going to need a new gun because that is just going to be take it to the scrap par, scrap yard because it's just worth metal now. Yeah, um, and hopefully you don't get hurt. Yeah. The other thing yeah, I've noticed too is that uh, sometimes it'll protrude just enough, but when you go to rotate the cylinder, it hits 
the frame, so it seizes up the whole gun because it's hitting. Yes, it. I've seen that too. When you have and, when you're shooting like the maximum length, like a 357, yeah. and then it comes out further. Yeah, I find that uh, when I was loading for 44 Magnum, the the lead rounds because it's softer. Um, they, especially the Wolf Reloads, they would actually have a, a tendency of working themselves out. So I always had to make sure I had a, a really good crimp on the 44s. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other questions about any of that stuff, Thomas? No, that's what the only thing I've noticed is, is the crimp will affect it, and, and especially the, the harder kicking rounds. And, and I also noticed that uh, it's easier for your bullet to slip out if it's plain lead. If you've got a full metal jacket, it, it tends to keep a, a better grip on it. Oh, Yeah. I, I don't shoot a lot of lead, so I don't really. And especially with the forty, like what's it? It's a canure. The, what's that line that you have to crimp it on? I the always cantilure. Cantilure. It's important that you crimp it properly on that thing, especially yeah. with the bigger calibers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing, right? When you get it near semi stuff, they don't usually have a cantilure line, and that's because I think you can crimp a semi round, but I don't think it's net, a lot of places don't consider it required. Whereas with your revolver rounds, they pretty much all have a, have that line on them because it's pretty much considered requirement that you're going to crimp into that for a revolver. Um, so I've never reloaded shotgun, so I can't really comment on that. No, um, reloading. Yeah. Reloading for rifle can be the same for the most part. For, you know, with your, like all these things that we've discussed pretty much all apply unless you're talking about reloading for accuracy. That's, that's where things really kind of change. Uh, you're usually doing a lot more test, test points. You're also doing a lot more uh, testing of the ammunition. Like when you're shooting it, you're doing things like ladder test and things like that. Um, reloading for high levels of accuracy is beyond my knowledge at this time. So. You I'm get, you get really fussy, and the big thing, with, I think what it is, is like right now, like when we're loading our pistol rounds, we're loading by volume. When you start doing mm-hmm. precision, you're actually going by weight. You're weighing your actual cartridges. Yeah, yeah, you weigh out every single every powder. Every single charge, load. yeah. Yeah. I've done that before. Oh, boy, it can be tedious at times. When yeah. you go back to shooting, when you're doing handguns, and you're just like, oh, every time I pull this handle, I have a loaded round. Like, man, this is so much easier. Yeah, with the rifle, it's like, I spent three hours reloading. I have 20 rounds. Like they, oh, they, no. they, they weigh their brass to the gram, and then they, they actually put water in the case and weigh what the case volume is. It's it's a whole regiment just to maintain control and precision the whole way, and it's worth it. Like, they, they get the accuracy that they're looking for, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, oh, it is. So that's that's part of the reason why I don't do it. So, you know, even um, just even the reloads with the tight group and, you know, my lead turret press, if I bench it, I can keep everything in the X-ring. It's not a, like they're yeah. accurate rounds. Yeah. And I don't do any of that. They're super. They're, I find my reloads just on the cheap are usually far more accurate than a lot of factory rounds. Yeah. So Josh and Amanda, as the new people, did you did any did this make sense? I would ask it that way. For the most part. For the most part. <laughs> um, I was wondering, though, you know, once you have your recipe that you're satisfied with, how often do you go back and do test rounds again? Do you just trust your recipe or once a year do you go and test your recipe every couple of rounds, six months? Is there 90, any kind of regimen? 99% of the time, the only time I even test it is if I have a major match coming up. 
And usually, even then, my recipe, I would never go down in grains, not unless, like, for some reason it was shooting, you know, 200 feet per second faster. But for the most part, it it's just before a major match, making sure that my recipe is still good because your powder drop can slowly drift over time, right? Um, you might not actually be getting quite the exact same load you are getting a while ago. Maybe your the stem on your, on your uh, like... Thomas mentioned the crimping die. Maybe that's backed out a little bit. Maybe you cleaned your bullet seating die and it's not quite aligned the same way it was before. Um, those are all small things that would make small changes. Um, I do test every once in a while because that's when I found out that my 627 gets a different power factor when it's clean versus when it's dirty. Okay. So when I found that out, I just I kind of had a panic moment. And what I ended up just doing is it it doesn't matter whether my gun's clean or dirty it's making power factor so it just it mm-hmm. got more powder well it's usually dirty anyways right so it, it usually is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i can uh, understand the whole process and that it needs its you know each little step and how and i could see like if you run out of primers you want and you get a new set of primers. You would want to retest with those primers and consistency <clears throat> or, or, is very or important. the bullets yeah. too, right? Like themselves. Yes. Yeah. So if there's anything, it's not like me who just who just goes out and buys ammo, whatever's cheap that week. Yeah. I just go and yeah. buy a box of ammo, <laughs> which is what most yeah. people do. Yeah, that's what most people do. In but this case, the, the though, problem is, I, it, like I, I don't think I would be, uh, what's the word, tedious enough. Because even though I could see how rifles would be more precision, mm-hmm. it would have to really entice me to be able to go through step by step on that process. Because I could get my, I could see myself being really frustrated with it. So, well, yeah. uh, so like, how much of a cost difference is it? If, it, if, oh, if you, it like, depends if you on the volume compare, you're shooting. Like, so Mike being I, a competition like, shooter, it's, it's 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 a tremendous savings. If you're shooting the amount that he is, now a lot of a lot of places you'll go. I remember I took a reloading course, and the guy said, "If you're here to think you're to reload to save money, you're in the wrong place because you're saving money, but you're loading twice as much and you're shooting twice as much because all of a sudden you've got all this cheap ammo, so you're not really saving yeah. money. But the amount of rounds that Mike puts down, it, it would it saves him probably thousands uh, of dollars through the course of a year. And I bet yeah. you he's got it all written down here. Look." <laughs> yeah, I see spreadsheets. <laughs> I can tell you, in 2018, we saved one thousand two hundred twenty-seven dollars and seventy-five cents. Wow! With our reload, and I just heard giggling from somewhere behind me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I have it. It if you start shooting large quantities, and actually, I can even tell you, I only shot six thousand one hundred and five rounds that year. Wow! And you saved how much? Um, uh, over uh, twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, and in 2020, I saved $1,300. Wow. And I shot just over 7,000 rounds. Yeah. That's so, like, there is, so when you see numbers like that, you see, wow, I saved $1,000 a year. Well, how much was my press? And you start thinking, like, oh, well, the, your press was expensive. It's like, yeah, but one year of me shooting paid for my press. Yeah. There right? you go. So, yeah. Right? That, that's part of the reason why I can justify it, right? That's. Not that I have a hard time justifying spending ten thousand dollars on you, getting a Mark Seven fully automated press, but if you look at the numbers, in less than ten years, it like pay for itself. You know, seven eight years, I could I could it could pay for itself. Yeah. Right? So. Okay, but yeah. how much did you spend? 
We don't keep track of that. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't matter, Josh. It, all that matters is how much I saved, okay? That's right. That's right. It's that like, one no, line no. at the bottom of the receipt that says, you saved this much today. Doesn't matter how much the rest of it says, I saved 20 bucks that day. You were going to spend it anyway. You were going to spend it anyway. You shoot too much. You were just doing it smart. That is. And for that reason, I would be interested Definitely would probably be relying on this guy a little bit more, or having a friend. And you know, you can me. you can do it fairly inexpensively. Mike's got a good press, but he went to Lee dives. But you like a Dylan 750 with all this setup, or 650. Sorry, it's going to cost you 1500 bucks or more. Um, you can get a Lee turret press, or you can get they even, they even have a progressive press for like three and change, 400 budget shooting supply. And mm-hmm. it, that one, it comes with the dies and everything. Or if you just get the straight turret press itself, um, it comes with your uh, scales, everything. All you need is the dies, and it also has uh, it comes with reloading data, so it comes with recipes. Yeah. So you can Very you can cool. get you can get reloading for under five hundred dollars. Yeah. That's if you it. were doing this strictly to save money, you could save a lot of money. It yeah. just the more money you save, the more effort you're putting in. Well, That's a good way to put I'm it. Always yeah. Into I, I understand the value of uh, quality and quantity, right? Yeah. Like, hence why we've made the bigger purchases as of late, right? And buying not just a $200 gun just to get us through. It's spending money on the quality of the gun so that we can shoot better. It'll last longer, likely not having to do as many repairs, right? So that, I understand that. It doesn't that seem to matter because you kicked my butt with a Canuck, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, well you- Money will only get you so far, Josh. Yeah. At some point, you got to get good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, are you challenging me? There's no, there's no challenge. (laughs) Yeah. The challenge is. Good thing she loves you, Joshy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. So, but no, very cool. Thank you for breaking that down. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start reloading your shot shells. Shot shells, right now, the way the cost is, now's the time you're actually going to save money reloading for shot shells. Ten oh, years yeah. ago, it wasn't worth it. But that's yeah. one thing you've got to really watch your pressures on. And you've got to you've got to really follow the recipes in shot shells because if it calls for a specific wadding and a specific hull, you have to use it. You can't switch hulls or waddings. And if you do, uh, and if you do under pressure, it could create a lot of issues. Yeah. That's the last thing we want. Yeah. So I I just know that when I looked into reloading shotgun, I don't know when Sarah and I were shooting a lot of shotgun. That was like six seven years ago, and I remember it was drastically cheaper just for me to buy it than it was for me to reload it. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those things where it's like, oh good, I have to reload ten thousand rounds, and then I will have paid for my sixty dollar press, and it's like. That's going to take me a long time to get through. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because what well, it is it the lead Lolo? Is it the lead Lolo? It's not very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's only like 60 bucks. It's all plastic. The cost of the components. Just. Yeah. 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 But, I hear you. Well, no, thank you for well, Especially with her using a semi auto shotgun. It's already finicky enough, right? Yeah. But that's where you can create custom ammo too, right? Yeah. That that is one of the benefits of reloading your own round. Um, when it comes to my thirty-eight specials, I shoot thirty-eight specials, but they're not thirty-eight specials. I've cut them down to near nine millimeter length, right? You can't find that in the store. You can't buy that. That's the other real benefit of reloading is being able to create that custom ammunition. And 
I know we were that better quality, that higher quality, that part of what makes it better quality is the fact that I can reload and reload and unload faster with it. So, yeah, totally. Are you allowed? Like, what's the rule on shortening your cartridges? IDPA, no. IPSC and iCore, yes. In Mm. IDPA, you are allowed to use a different case in the same gun. So you're allowed to shoot 38 special and 357. I'll be shooting 40 out of a 10 millimeter. They have a whole list of like all the approved, you know, swaps that you're allowed to do. I can't remember what they all are, but it's like, you know, if you have a 45 ACP gap or, and I think there's a third one that will also fit in there. Um, yeah, I keep forgetting about the can, gap. You, yeah. You're allowed to switch those ones out, but it has to essentially be a factory offering. You know, I can't go and buy 38 shorts and put them in there because it's not approved. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's just IDPA's rules. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. So I, we can move on here. I, I see you guys have something for Milverton coming up. Yes, we do. We do. Milverton Rod and Gun is hosting its annual fish fry. On Saturday, June 25th from 4.30 to 7 p.m. So if you're interested in tickets, it's $20 for adults and $12 for children 12 and under. Uh, so if you are interested, give us a call um, at our club. Actually, yeah, so 519-274-0509. Or you could just message Josh and I on the News Shooter Canada. If you want tickets, we'll be happy to hook you up with some. Um, pretty excited about it. It's Last year they did a grilled fish and battered fish. Deep it was fried, really yeah. deep fried fish. Yeah. It was really good. They do it right on site there. Uh, Josh just goes all the way to uh, Wheatley. Wheatley to go and get the fish. <laughs> I was going to ask, are you driving three hours each way again? Yeah. yeah. Yes, he will. And uh, quicker, so it, it'd be quicker for you just to go to your other club now. You guys got a fishing pot, pond at the other club, right? Yeah, at the you could just go there, game, catch yeah. the fish, and then come back quicker. It's gonna it's take me longer than three hours. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but it comes with fish fries and pie. Your choice of pie. I think it's strawberry rhubarb, strawberry, and regular rhubarb pie. So, uh, and we'll also be having a fifty-fifty draw. So, pretty cool. I really enjoyed it last time. Now, we had it closer to the fall, if I recall, last year. Bees. The wasps were bad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So this year, fingers crossed, it's not such a big deal. We'll be bringing our whole family. Horse flies this time of year. Don't. Don't. And mosquitoes. Well, that was part of the reason why we were uh, cleaning up the club was to make it nice and schnazzy for all the guests. So all are welcome. So, yes, please join us. Other than that, I think that's about it for events. Did you get anything there, Thomas? Um, No, actually. I haven't even looked at the show notes, so I'm bad. I'm pulling a George tonight. I don't think I put anything in. Events, events. Oh, there is an event. Hang on. I put it on the Facebook page, and Nick will kill me if I forget it. There's a CCFR ladies event. Mm. I, I forgot all about it. Now i got to find the silly thing. It's on our page. <laughs> <laughs> you think I can get my Facebook? Well, while you're looking for that, um, I assume that the money that you're raising for the fish fry is for the club? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Nothing, nothing special, just general club 
Just general yeah. club. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I understand. <laughs> Every club yeah. needs money, right? We all need money. Well, especially with the last year or two we've had with the lack of events. So. Yeah. Between that, and I don't know about your – now, we have an extensive enough waiting list. It's never been an issue. But, yeah. like, I know there was an, a concern at one point where we going to just have a sudden drop off of all the membership being like, I'm not paying if, like, COVID shutting it down or I'm not paying yeah. if – Every other bench is out of order or whatever. We're else. worried about that too, but we wound up actually having more people join in the last couple of years than we have over the years before. So it was... probably because shooting ranges were one of the few things that got to stay open. Yeah. 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 Yep. But it was I, pretty crazy. Yeah. We were uh, really excited to have as many people that did sign up, and then now we're at a point where we now have small yeah. waiting list, and we're we just keep we keep meeting and bumping and meeting and bumping. We're just not sure, right? Because especially with the last couple of years, it's it hasn't been true usage, right? Yeah. So yeah. We're trying to watch and see how the numbers go. We we can we can tell when someone swipes in now, and we can watch the gra- we we have someone making charts and graphs, <laughs> and we can see. Oh, that's my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we can see. Uh, <laughs> what's going on so we're trying to monitor that and uh yeah go from there yeah that's good i found my event event? i did so ladies day range day lord trenton valley fish and game club in partnership with the ccfr will be august 6 2022 8 a.m to 4 p.m giveaway prizes and draws safety equipment firearm ammunition is limited and a barbecue lunch provided no license required this is an 18 plus event tickets are 75 dollars per person uh sales are evan bright on june 25th 22 they can start doing sales at 6 p.m and the email is ladies day at ltv fgca yeah lord trent valley yeah it's so hard to read with these glasses on oh much better now i can see them now Okay, well, if you have any feedback, questions, or comments, maybe you load your or you develop a load differently, or maybe I missed a step, feel free to email us at host at newshootercanada.ca, our Facebook page, or Instagram. Um, you can also leave us a comment in the comment section on our website at newshootercanada.ca. Don't forget to check the link, and I'll put that uh, Hornady, or no, sorry, not Hornady, Hodgson's uh, reloading website on there. I, if you're a reloader, you're probably already on there, to be honest, because it's, it's just so useful. Perfect. Yep. Uh, gone, shout gone, out, were the, gone, gone were the days where Winchester actually used to give you free reloading data. You'd get a Winchester all that had all, all the calibers in it, it had all the powder, all the weights, all the loads. Oh, gone. Oh, wow. I know some a lot of times when you buy powder, some of them, they'll have like some little thing on the powder. Like, oh, if you're loading 223, this is what you should load with, with this bullet. But it the information is so bag that like nowadays just it's, it's free online just go online and look it up um so shout out thomas do you have any shout out tonight um the shout out i forgot last week was for tracy wilson for actually hosting this event at lower trenton valley she had uh nick and her did a, a program together so shout out to tracy wilson uh with all the stuff that's going on in canada right now we need their support more than anything so if you don't belong you got a few dollars please help out the ccfr fight our fight against mr trudeau excellent and i just and you just reminded me thomas i apologize to the listeners last night or last night last episode i guess i was a little too tired and i just skipped right over the shout out section yeah that's all right (laughs) we forgive you yeah well i also forgot to give a shout out last last episode too one to sarah 
because halfway through the episode, my laptop started dying, and she went, got me my charger and an extension cord, and even plugged it in from out inside the house. So, <laughs> so you can stay yeah. outside, have your cigar, and still have your drink while you podcast. Yeah. Yeah. She's well, I tried angel. to do that again tonight, but my cigar literally blew away. So <laughs> I figured that meant that maybe it was a little too windy to record outside. Um, I also want to give a shout out to all the dads out there. It's uh, it is going to be Father's Day. Well, for us tomorrow, uh, for you when you're listening to this, you know it was last weekend. Whenever, um, so yeah, just a shout out to all the dads out there. Oh, that's a good one. I really like that. Do you have well, any shout-outs, Josh? No. No? <laughs> Nothing? I like yeah, how casual Father's you are. <laughs> yeah. Happy Father's Day, Mike. Happy uh, Father's Day, Josh. Well, I will say a uh, shout-out to Josh as, as well as my dad, who, uh, you know, I wouldn't be here without him, so happy Father's Day. <laughs> Literally. You know, you're awesome, <laughs> you know. Uh, and... Uh, Shout out to all the uh, members who showed up today for cleanup oh, day. Yeah. It was re- it's all the new guys. It was amazing. Parking lot was full. Yeah, Excellent. we want that. That's guy. nice to Keep see. Up, guys. Really appreciate it. So, but I think that's it for me. All right, then, Thomas, you want to take us on out of here? Sure will. Until next week, keep your barrels pointed downrange and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Choose your caliber wisely. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Well, I really like 22 now. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all I like guns I like guns I like guns Alright, so tonight's main topic is how to develop a loan a load Oh my gosh how to, de- <laughs> how, do you develop a loan? <laughs> how to develop a loan yeah banking 101 no i am not the person for that no all right oh there she Thanks is the banker's right behind you i see her she's got a pink top on mike oh there she is yeah <laughs> that's okay i'm redoing all this part i've screwed up hey. my line like four times so <laughs> is that sarah from she shoots <gasps> oh yeah. it, it is it's it sarah, is. From she sarah shoots. From she it's shoots. a celebrity a celebrity spotting <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>